Amazing Encounter with God Time here on The Breakfast Show. We're about to get into our Bible study. Before we do, we have question number four for our quiz. And then some pretty interesting uh, text messages here. Sure. I said, but Lord, by this time there is a bad odour, for he has been in there four days. If you know who said this, 0491-064-669 is the number to call. And if you get the answer correct, you say, may I enter the draw? And if you do enter the draw, it will be drawn on Friday and you can win a uh, two-volume set, Growing in Jesus, Becoming More Like Jesus by Studying His Life by Mark and Ernestine Finley. But again, that question was, I said, but Lord, by this time there is a bad odour, for he has been in there four days. 0491-064-669. So, we've got some votes coming in uh-huh. for edible tape on burritos. Oh, yep. <laughs> yep. I am actually scared. I'm actually, I'm actually worried for all these people out here who don't know how to wrap a burrito so that it stays together. All right, so let's let's go back to the beginning of our text message. The first one says, Welcome back, Lyle. I must admit the breakfast show is not quite the same without you. See? Oh, wow. Not to say that Lawson <laughs> is not doing a good job, but... <laughs> What makes the show is your partnership. Oh, there oh, you go. Cute. See, I thought he was going to uh, throw him under the bus there for a second. But yeah, me too. <laughs> Monica got thrown under the bus, but well, she's yeah. to defend herself. So <laughs> That's right. We don't have to worry about that. All right. Uh, let me see here. Big cat story, happy ending, and a good cat story. I love happy endings. Mm. I like happy endings too. I just don't like cats. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the river otter, uh, king of the river. Not sure how it survives the water pollution. That's so in true. Detroit. In Detroit, yeah. yeah. Motor City of all places. That's it. Mm. Um, yep, we already had that one. Okay, so the Liberal Party, uh, Victorian expelled Liberal Party member just to show what the leaders believe about abortions. No wonder they lost the election. Yep, no surprise mm. there. What happened to give uh, What happened to give to Caesar what is Caesar and to God's what is God's? It's a valid point right there. Celebrity Chris Pratt and religious beliefs. Good on him giving glory to God for their new baby. As you said, it's not what we normally hear from celebrities. Imagine if more and more celebrities did that. How many young people today might believe? In today's Mm. world, the young people listen to them more than the pastors. Sad, but true. What I mean is the great majority watch entertainment programs, then go to church. And and it's a fact, and they place far more credibility in somebody like Chris Pratt than what they would in uh, a pastor who stands up the front and preaches the word of God. They place more credibility in the words of Chris Pratt Pratt than they do in the Word of God. Mm. That's what it boils down to. So, mm. yeah, it's, it's it's good to see somebody like this um, stand up and uh, make a stand for Jesus Christ. Mm. Uh, I believe that this might happen more and more in these last days. The pendulum will swing swing back to religious power. That's an interesting an interesting scenario to follow, particularly in the context of Revelation chapter thirteen. Mm. And then we have this one. I'm going to buy myself some magnesium powder today. I need all the help I can get to keep my brain. Okay, I'm going to read this as it was typed. Uh-huh. I'm going to buy myself some magnesium powder today. I need all the help I can get to keep my brains in optimal health. Wow. Yes. I wonder whether this person is from Tasmania. Oh, no, no, no. They're commenting, they're commenting on the fact that we've been going over the different types of brains that we have. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Like, so we have the survival brain, uh, which we've talked about before. We've got our subconscious brain. 
Um, yeah, we've got like so all these, actually this person's actually waiting. They're for on the money. They're, they're the like money. they've been paying attention, yeah. and they know exactly what 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 they're talking about. All right. Lyle, it's you who's kind of off I'm, right I'm, now. I'm, I'm You're off. kind of behind. I was going to give this person a hard time, and now I'm like, no, they're actually super intelligent. <laughs> uh, I totally agree with you. We need to know what the future holds and who holds it in his hands. Uh, give him your fear, and you and he will give you peace of mind, peace of heart and soul and mind. Uh, then we have regard. Okay, so burritos. Let's go to the burritos, shall we? Okay, okay, uh, let's do okay. This. Regarding burritos, uh, we get pretty ordinary tortillas in Australia. Uh, they can be tough to wrap. Burrito wrap, burrito tape in Australia. That one's no, fine. no, okay, yes, no, 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 yes, no, yes, stop, yes, stop, no, stop, no, 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 stop. Okay, no, no, keep going. going. I want to hear what people say. Okay. Uh, then this one's from Janelle where she says, that was a lovely heartwarming cat story. Thanks, Lawson. Yes, of course. Now, what people don't know is I actually have a picture of Janelle's cat. Yeah, you do. <laughs> On a pillow. <laughs> On my bed. It's like the greatest present we've ever received. <laughs> Please send us more pictures on things. I would love, I would love like a t-shirt with someone's face on it, like that. That would. My family had a competition to see who could buy somebody in the family the worst possible present, and I ended up with a cat pillow. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and as it turns out, it's Janelle's cat. That right, is so, so. offensive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, only, only only to me. Anyway, thank you, Janelle. I'm um, sure your cat is amazing for you. <laughs> he's like grinning as he's saying it. He's like like cringing inside. All right, That's all right. so funny. And then and then back to burritos. Uh, I think the edible tape is a great idea. Three, four votes to zero here so far, Lawson. Everybody thinks the edible tape is a great idea. Except that is, for Lawson. That is sad. That is like, guys, okay. So, actually, the the point that the person made about we have pretty regular tortillas here. Yes. Um, that's, I would say that's true because we use, like, mostly, like, if you go to the shop and buy wraps, you usually buy wheat tortillas, which are a little bit more difficult to wrap. But especially, like, if you have corn tortillas or just you know how to wrap a wheat tortilla, like, you're good. Like, okay, this is what I want everyone to go. Go to their local burrito shop, like whether it's one of the chains, like, I don't know, GYG or Mad Max. We have an amazing burrito shop here in Newcastle called Antojitos, which is like, it's not a chain restaurant. It's just like an epic burrito shop. Go there and like get the burrito. If you can really, if you can manage it, watch them wrap it. But furthermore, just buy the burrito and then like, like, you know, take off the plastic or whatever that's, you know, or, or the, uh, the foil on the outside and look at it and, and, you know, toss it around if you want. Ask yourself, is this thing falling apart? And the answer is no. The answer is absolutely no. And so you realize like, oh, wait, if I just wrap keep it trying, like these trying. people, then I, I won't have any Shell, can problem we, can with Can we this. just mute this guy? <laughs> I, I'm like, I'm almost, I'm almost like at the point where I'm like, Oh, this is, I'm going, okay, full woke, full woke right now. If you use, if you use tape on tortilla, that's cultural appropriation. If you use of, of tape. What, of what culture? Of, of. If you make a burrito, that's cultural appropriation. If you make a burrito and put tape on it, that's cultural appropriation. No, it's not cultural appropriation. <laughs> what it is, it's changing it. So you're making the, you're making the burrito into something that is different from Mexican. <laughs> What does that even mean? 
<laughs> so if you make a burrito, that's cultural appropriation because you're not Mexican. No, no, But if you no. add the tape to it, then it's not Mexican. No, anymore. but we're allowed to, like, that's be... like Australian. In, we're allowed to enjoy other people's cultures, but cultural appropriation is where you, like, take it, take elements of the culture and then change it. Listen, I'm, like, not usually one who cares about cultural appropriation either. I just really want to make this point <laughs> that, like, tape on burritos is a right, abomination. we're going to want that Bible study. We're going to move back to Okay, yeah, yep, yep. Genesis yep. chapter okay. 29. We need to get on to... <laughs> Uh, some serious stuff here. Let's talk about the Word of God. Okay, Genesis uh-huh. chapter 29. We're going to start here in verse 1. And why don't you read for us the first three verses, please? Mm. Okay. In... It's one of the most wild stories in the whole Bible. All right. Genesis chapter 29 and verse 1. The Bible says, Then Jacob hurried on, finally arriving in the land of the east. He saw a well in the distance, three flocks of sheep and goats in an open field beside it, waiting to be watered. But a heavy stone was uh, covered the mouth of the well. It was a, the custom there to wait for all the flocks to arrive before m- removing the stone and watering the animals. Afterward, the stone would be placed back over the mouth of the well. I wonder why the well had a stone on it. Maybe it wasn't, a, like, above the ground. Like, maybe it's just a big hole that you could fall in. Ah, oh, maybe it didn't have a fence around it. Yeah. At the top. Yeah. That makes sense. It's just, a, it's just a big hole. Yes, because I'm sort of thinking, you know, your typical Middle Eastern well of that time always has a stone fence around it so you don't fall in. That's right, yeah. Maybe this one didn't have a fence. That's right, yeah. Yeah, because I've been trying to wrap my head around this one. Like, why wouldn't they put a stone over that? That's kind of like, what? I mean, it's not going to stop people from stealing it because yeah. Jacob rolls the stone away. Yeah, that's right. And But, the, like, it says the purpose here for the stone is, like, it's custom to wait for everything to get there and then unroll the stone. So I guess you could kind of herd all the animals into one area where none of them will be at risk at falling down the well, and then you take the stone off. There you got the answer. Oh, See, this is why I'm we have genius. this is why we have Lawson on the show. <laughs> Except when it comes to burrito tape, he's a genius. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. So Jacob turns up there, and he's been travelling north for a long time. You know, mm-hmm. navigation in those days wasn't as straightforward as it is in these days, and he knows that he must be somewhere in the region of his extended family. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's some people there at the well. There's three flocks of sheep at the well. They're waiting for that time of the day when the stone is going to be rolled away and uh, all of the flocks and herds are going to be watered. So he strikes up a conversation with them and he asks them, where do you guys come from? All right, Mm. what do they say? Uh, It says in verse 4, it says, Jacob went over to the shepherds and asked, where are you from, my friends? He says, we are from Haran. Keep going. Uh, Go on and says, do you know a man named Laban, the grandson of Nahor? He asked. Yes, we do. He replied. Is he doing well? Jacob asked. Yes, he's well, they answered. Look, here comes his daughter, Rachel, with the flock now. Let's consider what we've got happening here. So, Rachel, you know, sorry, um, Jacob's been traveling north and it would be, you know, you've got no maps. Mm. You're just traveling north and you know that somewhere to the north there is family. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've never been in this area of the world before. You come across a well, then that's a logical place to stop because this is an area in which you can, you know, get some water to drink for yourself as well as obviously, you know, the, the fox and herds are going to be well. But you can get some water there. And so he turns up. Uh, they're waiting for that time of day. Uh, he starts a conversation and he's like, I wonder where I am. Because mm. he's just been traveling. He's just, he's just gone. He's just walk about. Yeah. Absolutely. And he's probably been buying some supplies along the way. He's been probably been... 
Um, helped with some hospitality along the way. He's probably asked this question to a bunch of people as well. Yes, he's probably asked for directions towards Haran a bunch of times. And, you know, you start to get the impression, I must be getting close. Mm. So he asked these guys and they're like, yeah, yeah, we're all from Haran. Mm. So he knows that he's within, you know, the distance that a shepherd would go from the city. It's probably over the next hilltop or something like that where he's going to come across the city of Haran. Mm. And so that would be relieving for him, particularly to find out that his relatives that he's never met are still alive and are doing well. Because, you know, you when, when there's not so much news traveling around as it was in the um, ancient times, you didn't have, you know, you couldn't jump on, uh, you know, Twitter or Facebook or whatever and find out what was happening in other parts of the world. You can kind of Imagine here that, you know, anything could have happened in Haran. Mm. It could have been invaded. The population could have been sold off as slaves. Anything could have happened. Mm. And so he's like, well, I wonder when I get there whether there even will be any relatives. Well, he turns up there and his relatives are there and his relatives are well and Rachel comes walking up and she's his cousin and it's all good. Yeah, and especially, like, he's asking for Laban, a character that we haven't seen, uh, like, we haven't seen until, like, decades before, essentially, uh, when Isaac is, you know, traveling around and doing his thing, or Isaac's servant is traveling around and, you know, looking for for a wife for Isaac. That's the last time we saw Laban, which is, like, decades and decades and decades before. And so by the time Jacob rolls around, yeah, there's definitely the question of, like, oh, man, these guys guys alive? Like, what's what's the deal, you know? Indeed, indeed. Okay, so Rachel comes walking up, and what does he do in verse 7? Jacob said, look, it's still broad daylight, too early to round up the animals. Why don't you water the sheep and goats so they can get back to out, back out to pasture? We can't water the animals until all the flocks have arrived, they replied. Then the shepherds moved the stone from the mouth of the well, and we water all the sheep and goats. Jacob was still talking with them when Rachel arrived with her father's flock, for she was a shepherd. And because Rachel was his cousin, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and because the sheep and the goats belonged to his uncle Laban, Jacob went over to the, to the well and moved the stone from its mouth and watered the uncle's flocks. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and wept aloud. <laughs> he explained to Rachel that he was her cousin uh, on her father's <coughs> side, the son of her aunt Rebecca. So Rachel quickly ran and told her father Laban. As soon as Laban... Oh, let's stop there for a moment. Let's stop there. If you read that in order, and I'm wondering whether it happened in chronological order as it is outlined here, you've got, uh, you've got Jacob who takes the stone off the well, mm-hmm. waters all of the sheep, and then... The next thing he does is that he kisses Rachel and the next thing he does is he weeps and then the next thing he does is he explains who he is. Mm-hmm. Kind of wondering whether it happened in that order. Yeah, I think so. You think so? Yeah, well, I could, okay, so he sees this guy is fleeing for his life. Yes. And he's been, that's why he's traveling. Yes. And he rocks up in this place and he finally finds his family. Yes. And he's like, you know, like, yeah, crying a lot. Now, this would have been a bit of a shock to Rachel. I think so. Definitely. I think it happened in this order, but it's like it may, it's appropriate for the kind of circumstance and situation that Jacob's in at the moment. Like, he's yes. under incredible pressure and stress and struggle right now. You know, he's, like, taken off from his homeland and he's ended up in this spot here because, like, he's he's fearing for his life. But finally, he's found people. He's found his family. That would be incredibly exciting mm. and relieving. Family doesn't even know that he's got. Okay, so then uh, verse uh, 13 and 14, please. 
Okay, in verse 13 and 14, it says, As soon as Laban heard that his nephew had arrived, he ran out to meet him, embraced and kissed him, and brought him home. When Jacob had told him him his story, Laban exclaimed, You really are my own flesh and blood. Okay, so this is interesting. Uh, Because Laban then takes him in and, and treats him hospitably and makes him a part of his household. But... Think, let's think about Jacob for a moment. Jacob turns up there destitute. Mm. The son of one of the wealthiest men, men in that part of the country. Mm. And he turns up destitute. You've got to have an explanation for that, don't you? Yeah. So what's your expl- explanation going to be? Yeah, well, you know, my father was old and about ready to die so I deceived him and stole my brother's birthright. Yeah. So your explanation here at this particular point is going to be really bad. Yeah. You know, I mean, I want you to think about this for a moment, Lawson. Let's say that um, because, you know, we know that he goes on to marry uh, Laban's daughters, but let's say that uh, at some point you meet a young lady and you decide that you want to marry this young lady, so you go to meet the family. Mm. And uh, when you go to meet the family, you want to make a good impression and you want to ask for, you know, the girl's hand in marriage. Yeah. Um, Are you going to start out with a story of the very worst things you have ever done? Uh, (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) Probably not, right? (laughs) Probably not. And yet how is Jacob going to avoid that? Mm. That's that's literally consumed his whole life. Yes. You know, we made the point yesterday, like, Jacob – Get you know, and Rebecca and everything like they go to such extreme lengths to obtain the birthright, you know, because he wants it, and you know, like he he will have that responsibility. He will be the leader of the family. All these different things, and literally from that point forward, his life is infinitely more difficult. Yes, and it just wrecks his life. And we're seeing like that kind of play out here. Like finally, like as you said, he's like destitute. He's probably thirsty and hungry. He's been like traveling around like hundreds and hundreds of kilometers to get up to Haran, and he finally shows up there and he gets yeah the slightest piece of like relief. But then he has to tell Laban, like, oh, and this is why I'm in this situation. <laughs> so I'd like to become your son-in-law and uh, my own father who has gone blind and is disabled, I deceived a disabled guy who was my father. Yeah, and my brother. Uh, yeah, and to the, st- stole from my brother. To the point he wants to kill me and that's why I'm here. I'm actually, a, I'm a risk <laughs> to your entire family yes. because if my brother catches up yes. with me, he'll rock up and kill everyone because he's like a mighty hunter. Uh, but... That all aside, like, I'm a pretty good guy. Pretty good guy. <laughs> I have a birthright. That's what he can say. Like, that all aside, I still have the birthright. Yeah. I, you know, you can really see what God is doing right here because God is humbling Jacob. Mm. You know, really humbling him. And the one thing that Jacob can share is his conversion experience and the story mm. of the ladder that goes to heaven, which I understand. You were talking about this yesterday? No. Okay. We weren't. We, we oh yeah, no. Okay. We actually haven't covered that story. Right. We um, kind of just skipped it. Okay, but yeah. All right, but that has taken place on his way north, mm. and so the only thing that he can share in his favor is what God has done in his life. Mm. And I think there's a really important lesson there because so often when we are meeting people or we are meeting new people and we want to make a favorable impression upon them, we pretty much share everything about ourselves except what God has done in our lives. Mm. 
You know, think about it. Next time you meet a random person and you're having that whole conversation like, oh, yeah, you know, what do you do? What do I do? You know, all that kind of thing. Do you do you share, you know, all the amazing things that you've done in your life or do you share what God has done? Because the mm. only thing that Jacob can share at this particular point that is going to give him any level of credibility at all with his mother's family is the fact that God has come into his life, mm. God has given him a promise, and God is there with him and that he has made that surrender to God. He's got nothing else to bring to the table. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Was that your mum on the phone just then? Oh, yeah, I just called my mum, said happy birthday. I called her before the show at like 7am, but she obviously, it's her birthday. She was sleeping sleeping in. in, Yeah, yeah. But, well, that's that's so interesting. I remember like being being little and like it's like 4am on my birthday. I'm like running around the house. I'm like, it's time for presents. Where are they? they? (laughs) Okay, Brayden says, mushroom picture for you next, Lyle? Question mark. So, um, yeah, well, don't even probably should say that because someone will send me a mushroom pillow. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll just send you like Then somebody else has texted through and says, if it's a gluten-free burrito, it will definitely need tape. I think that's actually... See, you've got to admit, that's valid. But if it's a corn tortilla, then it's gluten-free, right? I guess, Wait, uh, I need to look that up. Because, okay, so because the right way <laughs> to eat burritos is with a corn tortilla. Are oh. corn tortillas gluten-free? All right. And Franco says, just eat the burrito. It's what's inside. Who cares if it's tight or not? <laughs> I actually like what Franco said right here. Just put it on a plate, grab a knife and a fork and a spoon and start eating. Corn tortillas are gluten-free. Right. So why so- are we eating gluten-free like like non-corn tortillas? Why are we eating non-corn tortillas in general? If you go to a Mexican restaurant, they don't always come in corn tortillas. They come in. But that's not a Mexican restaurant, then. It's a Mexican restaurant. Mexican, Mex- if it's a Mexican restaurant, then they no, use corn no, flour no, tortillas. No, no, that's no, no, that's, no, that's no, the no. truth. That no, is no, the no, truth. Whatever. Anyway, getting back to our Bible study, we've got Jacob turning up, and he's got to have to eat a lot of humble pie hmm. as he shares stories because you can imagine, you know, they haven't seen Rebecca for. 40 years. Mm. And so they're, they're going to be asking, just badgering him with information and questions and stories. They want to hear everything. And the kind of key player in these stories has to eat a lot of humble pie. Mm. It's a good experience for Jacob. Mm. It's going to be a growing experience for him. All right, let's continue on in our story here. And let's read verse 15 to 19. The Bible says, after Jacob stayed with Laban for a month, Laban said to him, you shouldn't work for me without pay just because we are relatives. Tell me how much wages your wages should be. Now, Laban had two daughters. The oldest daughter was named Leah and the younger was named Rachel. There was no sparkle in Leah's eye, but Rachel had a beautiful figure and a lovely face. Since Jacob was in love with Rachel, he told her, I'll work for you for seven years if you'll give me Rachel, your younger daughter, as my wife. Agreed, Laban said. I'd rather give her to you than to anyone else. Stay and work with me. So Jacob worked seven years to pay for Rachel, but his love for her was so strong that it seemed just a few days. Oh, wow. Isn't this just a beautiful love story right here? <laughs> seven, seven years, Lawson, what do you reckon? 
How does it? How does that sit? You know, you you, you uh, find a beautiful young lady. Are you prepared to no put in the hard yards? <laughs> okay, all right. We will pass that on to all of the potential father-in-laws out there. Lyle, uh, the question I have, Lyle, did you? Uh, well, it was. How I, I did work for my father-in-law. How long? Maybe a couple of months. <laughs> Maybe six weeks. For those who don't know, mm. so Lyle and Shell had known each other for a couple... We're doing the Lyle and Shell love story this morning. Lyle and Shell had known each other for a couple of years, I believe. But mm. from the time that they started dating until the time in which they were engaged was two weeks. Mm. And uh, so, Lyle, if anyone should be asking... Should be and asked we, and this then we question. got married ten weeks later. Yeah, and then you got married 10 weeks later. So I did work for my father-in-law, though. Yeah, okay. But we're talking about a pretty quick turnaround here. Yeah, it was a little bit quicker than, a little bit quicker than Jacob. Yeah, then, then seven years. And so, hey, look, I'm, I'm just, I'm just doing whatever. But in terms of like, oh, do I want to work seven years to get married? Like, is that my A1 number one option? I'm like, uh, probably not. With my grandfather, when my grandfather got married, he had a girlfriend up here in the Lake Macquarie area, actually. And when he graduated from college, he was sent to Tasmania to sell Christian books, mm. and he was given a push bike, mm. and that was it. He wasn't even given it wasn't even given a house to live in. And the way that he worked was that he would sell books during the day, and the last the last door he knocked on, he would just ask whether he could spend the night, and they'd give him a room, and that's how he lived. Mm. Just completely homeless, selling books door to door. He did that for three and a half years before he saved up enough money to come back up here to uh, uh, Lake Macquarie area and to marry my grandmother. That's amazing. Yeah, it's pretty pretty impressive. Three and a half years of hard work for a wife. Yeah, we have it pretty easy these days. And she must have been she must have been good with this though. Oh, she was a pretty special person. That's awesome. Yeah, that's it was, powerful. It was uh, he was in love, and and that was mm. it was just but a few years a few a few moments for him. Yeah, that's right. Just like <laughs> just like Jacob here, you work seven years, just a few moments. Oh uh, dear. All right, let's go to um, – let me see here. Oh, okay, that's, that, that text message comes through for question of the day. So we'll save that one for question of the day. Mm. All right, let's go back to our story. Um, it seems like it's just a moment for him uh, because he loves Rachel. Okay, so uh, let's continue on and let's this, – this, this is where the story gets just wild. Finally, the time came for him to marry her. I have fulfilled my agreement, Jacob said to Layman. Now give me my wife so I can, you know – Marry her. Well, in my mind, it says, so I can sleep with her, you know, finalise the, the marriage. Yeah, but there's going to have a marriage first. Yeah. So, Laban invited everyone in the neighbourhood and prepared a wedding feast. But that night, when it was dark, Laban took Leah to Jacob and he slept with her. Laban had given Leah, a servant, Zilpah, to be her maid. But when Jacob woke up in the morning, it was Leah. What have you done to me? Jacob raged at Laban. I've worked seven years for Rachel. Why have you tricked me? It's not our custom here to marry off a younger daughter ahead of the firstborn, Laban said. But wait until the bridal week is over. Then we'll give you Rachel too, provided you promise to work another seven years for me. Oh. That is so rough. Oh, this is is rough. rough. This is rough. Okay, so that old saying that goes around comes around? Hmm. You know, Jacob, what Jacob did to his disabled father mm. was rough. Mm. It was low. Mm. And now it's been done to him. Mm. Now, the wild thing about this story is how do you actually sleep with somebody not knowing who they are? Yeah, there must have been pretty low light. There is more to this story than what we understand. Mm. 
I don't know what is going on right here, but this is all a little bit dodgy. Mm. And I'm wondering what Leah thought about all this as well. Well, okay, it doesn't necessarily say, like, she was an ugly person, but it does say that, like... There was no sparkle in her eyes. Yeah, Jacob's Which indicates not that she may have suffered from depression. Mm. We don't know what that actually means. Some translations will say that she was unattractive. Um, some indicate that she suffered from depression. There was something wrong with Leah, though. We don't mm. know what it was. Mm. And there was a reason why he wanted to marry Rachel first. And, of course, when the agreement was first made, you know, you can imagine that Laban's like, well, and then somewhere in the next seven years we'll get Leah married off and then it won't be a problem. Well, Leah never did get married off because there was a problem there somewhere that the Bible is very politely hinting at. Uh, we don't know exactly what it was. You know, maybe she was cross-eyed. Mm. There was something wrong with something about her eyes. And... Uh, and, and, and so she doesn't get married off and, and Laban's like, well, you know what? Jacob was a dirty dog back in the day and deceived his father. He can cop a bit of the same. Yeah. Yeah. And he gets to blackmail Jacob into serving him for another seven years. Another seven years. That's wild. It is. Mm. So how this actually happened, even in very low light, there's more to this story we don't understand. Mm. But we certainly understand this, that this is a story of what goes around comes around. Mm. And Jacob ends up with two wives, which is just an absolutely terrible, terrible idea. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. You want to comment on the quiz? All right. Um... We'll have one last just quick run-through of the questions here. The Lord said, I was worried and upset about many things, but the only thing, uh, but, but only one thing I needed. Uh, I told the Lord to tell my sister to help me with the housework, and I said, um, but Lord, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Oh, and the last, last quiz question. I am the sister of Lazarus and Mary. If you know who this person is, 0491-064-669. Make sure you uh, give us a call or a text on that number. Say, may I enter the quiz? And you will go into the draw to win Growing in Jesus, Volume 1 and 2 by Mark and Ernestine Finley. But right now, it is time for... Question of the Day. All right, Lala, our question of the day today is, why does Jacob offer seven years of labor for Rachel's hand? Why not... One or two, but seven. Yeah, it's a really valid question right here. And I think what has happened is that, you know, Jacob turns up and he is deeply in love with Rachel, and yet his credibility is pretty much nil, it's zero, it's smashed because of the story that he has to tell on himself. And so he's really got nothing to offer. He's got no wealth to offer. He's got uh, he, he's got no credibility to offer. And so... By offering to work for Laban for seven years, there's a number of things happening. Number one is that um, he's offering an exorbitant amount for Rachel's hand in marriage. Uh, women in those days were really only valuable for uh, what they could, the, the labor that you could extract from them before they were married and then the money that you could be paid for them when they did get married. That was the, the value of daughters within that particular culture of the time. And so... When Jacob wants to ask for her hand, he recognizes that Laban has a lot of reasons to say no. He can say, no, you've got no wealth. No, my daughter is worth something and you have nothing. No, you're a dirty, rotten scoundrel who deceived your own disabled father. 
He's got a lot of reasons to say no. And so what Jacob does, it seems he sits down, he thinks about it, and he decides, okay, I'm going to offer an exorbitant amount because by offering an exorbitant amount, I am going to prove to Laban that I have worth, that I can work even though I might be destitute. I have health and I can uh, I, I can I can use that health to be able to uh, in, invest in you and in, to invest in your daughter and prove that I am a different and a changed man. So there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons why he might offer an exorbitant amount. Now, just looking at that exorbitant amount, if you transfer that into today's minimum wage, because basically what Jacob was signing up for, and here is somebody who has the birthright, he is the birthright to one of the you know the wealthiest people of the region, but he's signing up to be a slave for seven years. He gets room and board, nothing else, and that's what a slave gets, except that at the end of that seven years, he gets Rachel as his wife. Now the question is, is there any specific symbolism uh, in relationship to the seven? I believe that there is because seven is the number of perfection, seven is the number of completeness, and so this is illustrating his love for Rachel. So when he says mm-hmm. seven years, he is illustrating to Laban, who would have understand these, understood these concepts back then, that he is illustrating perfect and complete love for Rachel. And so... Uh, there are a number of things that he is showing. Number one, I have integrity. Number two, I have integrity because I've experienced conversion and I'm willing to let you see that over a long period of time so that you can trust me. And number three, my love for Rachel is perfect and it is complete, which is why the Bible says here, now Jacob loved Rachel. He said, I will serve you seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. And so Jacob served uh, seven years for Rachel and they seemed only a few days to him because of the love that he had for her. And so I think there's a number of different factors that are coming in here as to why the number seven. Of course, he ends up serving 14 years because he gets tricked. And of course, you know, seven of those years, he is proving himself to, you know, he's proving his integrity to Laban. And then Laban turns around and proves that he, you know, he himself, Laban, has no integrity. Um, But that's a story for tomorrow's Bible study. But he ends up serving twice to get Rachel as his wife. Don't forget to talk faith, live faith, and act faith. You will grow strong in Jesus Christ. For being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1 800 Faith FM.